Welcome to a special episode of Pit Lane Parlay. We are joined this afternoon by Sage Karam. Sage, welcome to 2022 racing season. How's it, uh, how's it looking for you right now? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, thanks for having me. And it's always fun to talk to you guys. And um, But yeah, I mean, 2022 is coming together pretty pretty well. You know, I think as years pass for me, um, I usually don't get my deals done until pretty much like right before May. Um, and I usually am only racing like Indy 500 and, and then that's about it. So um, this year I got my Indy 500 deal done. I believe in July of last year. So um, to be able to like go into the holidays and actually like enjoy the holidays and not have to worry about, Hey, you're going to have a ride for the 500 and stuff like that. Um, You know, that was, that was really enjoyable to be able to like just sit back and enjoy the holiday with the family and stuff. And um, you know, know that you're, you're going racing in May. Um, And then on top of that, you know, we had uh, some really good meetings and calls through the off season and ended up securing some racing in the Xfinity series. Um, which will be a lot of fun for me as well. So doing a lot more racing than just one race and, um, you know, looking forward to it should, should be a lot of fun. So, you know, last year on top of doing a couple IndyCar races or the, the 500 Xfinity series and some Nitro Rallycross, did that help you kind of stay sharp? So heading into this year with you know, the, the part-time Xfinity, the 500, you're a little bit more kind of, you've got more seat time, which helps you heading into this year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, last year was the most racing I've done and probably since 2015. And, you know, I think this year is going to be even more than last year. Um, you know, I think all that stuff is just going to keep me sharp. And, and when I get into a car, it's not going to feel as foreign, you know, the first day or two and, you know, trying to figure it out. So, um, you know, obviously it's not driving an Indy car every weekend, but you know, when you're driving something, it's, it's helping, it's helping something in, in, in your body and your mind, um, you know, staying on top of things and, um, just keeping you in that racing mindset. So, you know, I'm going to be doing, I think two Xfinity races before I get to May. Um, so just kind of like doing some racing and, and everything like that. Um, before I even get to the track in May, I think that's, uh, going to be one of the, I haven't done that in a long, long time, you know? So, I think that's going to be pretty cool for me to be able to like have some races under my belt going into May and, and then hopefully, you know, that stuff all translates over and helps out. Is it difficult to go from so many different series just in general, but like knowing a, that you're going to go from Xfinity to the Indy 500, is that nerve wracking at all? Or is that just all helpful? Yeah, I think it's all helpful. Um, you know, I, I don't, now that I've, I've gotten a few races under my belt and I know like what the Xfinity car is like um, compared to the Indy car, it's not necessarily nerve wracking just because I know that they're two completely different, you know, machines and um, they require two completely different styles on how to drive them, you know, properly. So um, knowing, knowing that, you know, it's, it's not like I can really take anything from those, Xfinity races I do and then apply them to the Indy 500 um, as far as driving the car, you know, and, and helping me be better in an Indy car. I think what it is going to do though, is um, it's going to help me stay mentally sharp, you know, for two, two and a half hours, um, you know, get used to being in like a hot environment, you know, when you're doing those races for that long and it's, it's really hot in the car, um, 
you know, I, I think the first time you do it, you don't want it to be race day of the Indy 500. So um, to be able to like get those reps in before I go. And, and like I said, just staying sharp and focused for two and a half hours, not making mistakes over that time period. I think that's the stuff I'll be able to like translate um, to like the Indy 500 and, and, and so on. You know, compared to an Indy car, what is it like driving an Xfinity car, especially around the Indianapolis road course? Yeah, um, it's 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 quite different. You know, I um, I think two years ago I, I ran the road course at Indy and in the Indy car, and then last year I ran the road course um, in the Xfinity car. So I kind of had like a I have like a pretty recent knowledge of them both, and um, I thought that I would be able to take something and apply it to the Xfinity car when I got there and, dro- and, and drove that race because that was the first time I've ever been in a star car and I was like so wrong there's nothing I've driven that <laughs> can kind of prepare me for anything um that I was dealing with and um I'm not saying it's a bad thing you know it's just it, sure. it was completely new to me and and a whole different world that I had to learn um and you know like in an indie car you break so late and you get those downshifts done so quickly and you're back to the throttle so soon in the into the corner and everything happens so fast and, and it's so aggressive um you know to get every tenth of, of a second out of the car um whereas like in the xfinity you know i started out the practice kind of trying to drive it like that like attacking and and going for it on corner entry and stuff like that and i just like couldn't get the car stopped i couldn't get it to turn um couldn't get the power back down because I'm, I'm just waiting for the thing to make the corner and, you know, I quickly learned that it was um, the complete wrong way of doing it. You know, like it, it almost needed to be babied a little bit. And um, it, it was like the slower you felt like you were you were going, it almost was like faster on the speed chart. So I kept having to like back everything up. And um, I just couldn't believe like how long the break zones were and how long you had to wait between shifts and doing H pattern again. Like it's my first time doing H pattern since I ran USF 2000 and 2010, you know, so, um, just a lot of different things. And, and, you know, I joked with Cindric a lot about it, um, Austin and, and he's like, yeah, you know, you'll find the car doesn't do anything. Well, it's not going to, it's not going to stop. Well, it's not going to turn well. Um, it's not going to go very well. And, um, you know, that was so true. Like it wasn't, it's definitely not a car that you can force things out of. Like it's only going to do things when it wants to do things. Whereas like an Indy car, I feel like, you know, you're controlling more when it's going to turn and, and when to get the throttle. And, and that's more what you're going to do. But, the, you know, the minute you start trying to muscle the the big Xfinity car, it's just, it's game over. So you've got a teammate for the 500 this year and your last time doing that was in 2020 with J.R. Hildebrand. Are you <clears throat> excited to have two cars to run data off of for the 500? Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's always good to have a teammate in the sense that you can go through the test plan a lot quicker. Um, you know, when you're a one car team and you're going up guys like Penske, Ganassi, Andretti, when they have four or five, six cars, whatever, you know, they, they can bring to the speedway. It's really hard to be able to almost go through like qualifying stems and stuff. Like those guys can go out there and it's like one guy does aerodynamics. One guy does ride heights. One guy does cambers. One guy does springs, you know, and it's just for us, what they what they can do in a day would take us like a week you know so um having two cars you know obviously it's still not five or six cars but it does make stuff go a lot quicker um and then having a guy that that's run well there and and the last 
a uh, few years. You know, I don't think Santino has been outside the top 10. So um, that's always encouraging knowing you're, you're having a guy that come, coming in there that has run well, has run in some really good race cars there. Um, so, you know, I think we're going to definitely be leaning on, on what he has to say, um, you know, going into the race, like, you know, he'll be the first person that's going to be able to come out after day one and be like, listen, this is what to me feels way different from what I've run, you know, last year um, or the year before or something. So he'll have a, like a pretty good knowledge of that. You know, for me and JR, I think it's like, you know, we were running that, we run a dry and Reinbold for quite a few years now um, where, you know, it might be hard to be able to like make those assumptions and compare. The only thing we can do is like, from watching practice, you know, seeing what those guys are doing, how their cars are looking and handling, but, you know, having a guy that has run a really fast car around there in the recent um, years is, is going to be pretty, pretty cool to put them in our car and see, uh, see how it, it uh, you know, stacks up. Does it help even more confidence wise going into this 500 that Santino has done well as a third car for, for Ray Hall last years before with, Coin, so it's not like he was with a Penske or a Ganassi. So he's got, you know, he hasn't been on a four car team or a five car team. Does it does it help a little bit more knowing he's got pretty much the exact experience that will help you guys succeed? Yeah, I, I think for sure it's um, you know like I said earlier, just with his kind of stats around the speedway, it's it's hard to ignore the fact you know that he's he runs really really well around there so um you know i think he's he's a great addition and he's gonna bring a you know when you bring new guys in and and, and guys that have run well they can bring kind of this new look on things um you know things that i may have tried to set with the car and, and we've exhausted for eight years you know we might not know the reason why we can't get it to act like that, but then, you know, you bring in somebody else who kind of was going down that same road and they figured it out somewhere, you know, like, like at Ray hall, um, you know, they might be able to just be like, Hey, well, we did this and that's how we got around this problem or something, you know, and it gives the engineers something else to think about. And then all of a sudden a real solution comes out. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Um, because, you know, like you said, he hasn't, he hasn't drove, uh, you know, for Penske or Ganassi or, or, you know, those huge teams. But um, I think in the recent years, like the coin cars and the Ray Hall cars have run really, really strong around the speedway. Um, you know, so he's been in some really good equipment there. And I'm just really interested to hear what he has to say, you know, after his first day um, driving in a DRR car and where it kind of stacks up and, and, you know, the areas that, you know, we need to improve on or areas that we're better, you know, and, and seeing how we can, you know, put our minds together and work together to, to put a really good package together. I think one of our goals this year is definitely to figure out a qualifying package and, and nailing that down because like, you know, I, I can't, I, I can't take the bumping anymore. <laughs> it's, it's taken years off my life. So, um, you know, I'm ready to get out of that little realm. Um, I've qualified 31st, I think, three years in a row. And if I'm not mistaken, like, I, I don't know if there's anybody that's done that before that has qualified in the same exact position for three years in a row. Um, so it's not a stat that I love, but, you know. <laughs> that you have, Sage, and just live with it. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> exactly. So I know that there's been talk about um, DRR trying to do a full-time IndyCar um, season. And, you know, there hasn't been any news about it recently, but let's say they, they managed to do that mid-season. Would you be able to um, balance both what you have already for Xfinity and maybe an additional IndyCar season? Um, you know, I don't, I think uh, with me going racing in Xfinity, I don't think I could be full-time in IndyCar. Um, but, you know, I, I'd love to go do more races, you know, that, that whenever those opportunities came about, like, you know, when Dreyer did those road course races at IMS, um a few years back you know we, we were on the path of a pretty decent schedule there and then covid came and yeah. just kind of really messed things up and um you know we were supposed to do like five or six races that year and i think we we only did three i want to say um but you know that was kind of like the transition of starting to build that full-time program and then when covid happened and it screwed all that up you know it kind of just derailed the plans for a little bit um and you know Dennis has always been the guy that told me, you know, if we can't get full-time racing, like you deserve to be full-time racing somewhere. And if an opportunity comes up, like you got to explore that option, you know? So um, the whole Xfinity deals, you know, started getting thrown around to me. And, and after I, I did a few races in it last year and it went well, you know, I, I had some other teams calling, you know, for doing some more races and stuff. And that's how I got kind of hooked up with, with this year with Alpha Prime Racing to do a pretty decent schedule. Um, so, you know, he's been, Dennis has been super supportive of, of me going to do that. And he's always tried to keep me in cars, you know, and that's why I do that rally stuff. You know, it's, it's um, you know, he, he purely only puts me in that rally car just to keep me doing something, you know, and just off the couch and, and just keep me busy in racing. So, um, you know, I, I'm very thankful for that. And, and, it keeps me sharp and stuff. So I love doing that. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think I'll be able to juggle both at the same time. Um, it's just IndyCar right now. It's, it's so hard to, to break into it, you know, and unless you're, unless you have like a, a really big sponsor that you're bringing, it, it's near impossible. Um, and you know, I've been kind of, I've been kind of like really trying to do that for however many years. And it just leads to, you know, a lot of no's and closed doors. And there's only so much you can take of that before you're just like, all right, well, I can't just be doing one race a year. I need to go figure out something. And, you know, I'm still young enough where I can, I can make a transition somewhere, whether it's in sports cars or if it's in NASCAR, I can make a transition and still have a healthy career somewhere. So um, I'm not saying the door is completely shut on IndyCar, but at the moment, you know, it's definitely not um, my highest priority. Uh, to be full-time in IndyCar. Uh, obviously, the Indy 500 is for sure going to be one of, if not the biggest goal in my life, you know, to win that race. But, you know, to, if I don't race another IndyCar race outside the 500, it's to me, you know, it's, it's, uh, I gave it my all trying to chase it. So if I can't do anything else other than the 500, then so be it. <laughs> We'll we'll wrap it up there. I think that was a good way to end it, since we're we're about at the fifteen minute mark here. But Sage, man, good luck with the Xfinity. We'll we'll see you out here in the month of May, and I'm sure we'll talk again. But good luck, man, and and look forward to seeing how you do in 2022. 
Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Hey, we are joined by the other Dreyer and Reinbold Indy 500 entry this year in Santino Ferrucci. Sir, first off, how are you and how was the weekend? Oh, man, I'm good. Just a nice casual Super Bowl weekend and uh, currently hanging out, starting my Monday off nice and easy. Did you win or lose money yesterday? Uh, I lost about $2.50. <laughs> yeah, I think I lost like 10 bucks and I was like way more angry than I should be over $10, but I mean that, that's oh, no. just how my betting goes. I don't I'm I'm not a big fan, but it was a fun game, so I mean fun for everybody except Bengals fans, but anyway, let's let's talk some racing today. So you're right now you're just in the 500 this year. Are you trying to whether it be Xfinity or IndyCar or maybe some more dirt racing, seeing what you can uh, pull together for the rest of 2022? Yeah, I think you'll see me in a little bit of everything again this year for sure. Uh, just currently working on getting some Xfinity stuff done, but the 500's been my uh, priority and making sure that we get all that 100% sorted. And, you know, I just want to take the time and do it correct. Yeah, for sure. So, before we talk about 2022, looking back on last year, you got six Xfinity races, the five IndyCar races. And, you know, it's another top ten at, at the 500. Kind of, you know, getting in an Xfinity car. Did were you able to learn anything that you can take into 2022, or you know, take into your IndyCar experience? And did it help just kind of the, the extra seat time? Did it help you just kind of? get more practice, get more track time and, and bring that into 2022 with a little bit more confidence. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's nice to keep racing. I think racing is, uh, as long as you're in the car and not at home, you know, it's, it's really good for you and to stay active and keep your mind going, uh, especially driving the Xfinity car, just getting in tune with the ovals and getting that mindset, uh, especially for the 500 and just being able to get comfortable with the car. You know, it's been a big help, but, uh, you know, uh, this year I kind of wanted to do things a little different. I would have preferred to do the 500 first and then start to focus on the Xfinity um, just because the driving style is so different. You know, you drive right. such a loose race car in Xfinity, and obviously you don't want that at the 500 at all. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. So you know, for those who who don't know, what what is driving an Xfinity car like when you've spent the last – number of years in various open wheel cars for the most part oh man driving an xfinity car is uh i mean it's nothing shy of driving a bus that's for sure (laughs) but it's it's honestly it's so much fun because it's you know it's got 700 horsepower it's a you know force (laughs) it's an h pattern four speed the racing is phenomenal because it's bumper to bumper and you know the side drafting is new for me i mean we don't have that at all in indycar so the way that the races play out and the racecraft that you need to have is just i don't know it's, in, it's enjoyable so i'm I'm really excited to get back behind the wheel and especially at, hopefully at some of the tracks that we can go out and run the wall yeah so i have to ask a question here and and forgive my ignorance but knowing little about nascar other than kind of like who the guys are how does a side draft work Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of 
Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or padel, as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. That's a great question. Um, (laughs) Well, it's weird because like when you're following somebody and like you get like an IndyCar, when you, when you're in the draft, you suck up to them. And then when you pull out, you can pass them. In NASCAR, when you're behind somebody and you're starting to get close, you need to pull out really, really early and like avoid them as much as you can to continue the momentum. Right which is, I think, like, especially at Pocono, you see it the most. It's like you'll watch passes at Pocono. People will come out of turn three. They'll get kind of close, and they'll pull all the way down to the bottom of the racetrack to make the overtake and to pass people trying to get down into turn one. And that's because, for whatever reason, dirty air, like, you can be flat down the straight at Pocono and be in the draft and have a crazy incoming rate to the car in front of you and never touch them. You literally just push them along. It's insane. So, and then with the side draft, you can pull somebody back. I feel like I'm a lot. I've never seen anything like that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, dude. It's crazy when you're going around the D oval or the D part of the oval at Atlanta. Yeah. And you're getting wheel spin at 170 miles an hour because someone's on the outside of you. When that happened for the first time, do you kind of have like a little bit of like a code brown moment there? I mean, you can't lift, so you just start to counter steer. <laughs> so you literally slide through the D shape of the oval into turn one, which is insane. I mean, you barely turn the like you you barely turn the wheel into the corners, and you're driving the car off of the rear, which is a lot of fun, in my opinion. I mean, it's not something yeah. I'd ever want to do in an Indy car, but in a stock car, sure. yeah, why not? So you got five races with Ray Hall last year. Were you able to you know, glean some some information and some advice from your teammates that you can bring into 2022 this year? 
Yeah, I mean, I worked so much last year. Uh, honestly, Graham drives so unique and so different to anybody, yeah. uh, even Sebastian. You know, when I was teammates with him, he's just Graham's just another really unique driver. So I got to learn a lot more working with Takuma with the setup wise, and I spent a lot of time with my engineering staff. You know, and it was really nice to be inside that team and have that opportunity. And, you know, I definitely think it's advanced uh, my level of learning pretty good. And I think I can bring a lot of that to the table this year at Dreyer and uh, hopefully make the program uh, or take the program up another step or two. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, Sage had a good run there last year. So did you get to race against Sage and Xfinity last year or just... At the 500. Just the 500. Yeah, just the 500. So you get to team up with him this year. Have you have you guys gotten to talk yet and kind of exchange some some early ideas, or will that really not come until, I guess, you know, whatever the, the open test is before the month of May? Uh, I think we'll both be back at the shop sometime in the next month to do some okay. engineering stuff and get the cars uh, dialed in. But uh, I've known Sage for a long time, so I don't think either of us are really too worried about it uh, by sure. any means. So what's what's you know from from your standpoint? You know, I've I've known Sage for a while, but what is what is Sage like as a driver? Maybe that the fan doesn't notice. I mean, I'd say he's pretty similar to me as far as driving okay. style and how we are. We both like free cars, I would assume, um, just from going back because we were teammates in go karts. Right, right. So that's going way, way back. But, uh, yeah, no, I think our dynamic in a team setting has always been really good when we've been teammates. So it'll be exciting to see what we can accomplish now on a professional level as teammates as opposed to the go-karting level. Yeah. So let's wrap it up. Just a couple more questions here. You got to do the Chili Bowl again this year. I know it didn't didn't necessarily go how you wanted it to, but – What's the Chili Bowl experience like? I haven't yet been able to get down there, but uh, did you enjoy it? You know, will you be back again? And yeah. Oh yeah, I always love it. It's like Carb Day for five days in a row. <laughs> it's like it's probably one of the most fun events that I've ever attended. And, you know, I love driving the cars, and yeah, this year didn't quite go our way, but uh, that's from just me being aggressive and knowing that I was really fast. Um, and I just got a little too excited and practiced and sent it over the uh, into the fence. But, uh, you know, it's also really hard for, uh, I think, you know, if you watch back at all of the, the professional drivers that don't race the dirt midgets very often, you know, all of us had pretty big moments because, you know, it's not something we do on a daily basis. We're all trying really hard. And I think the hardest part, you know, I forget who said it, it's maybe Larson or Bell, but we don't really know where the front wheel is, the inside front wheel. And um, it's just when you don't, it's the most important when you're racing because I misjudged where it was and it just sent me flying. And, uh, you know, just getting an idea and a sense of space in the racecraft with those cars is just really important. But, uh, you know, I'll definitely be back. I'm, I'm, I'm there to stay at the Chili Bowl. So uh, none of that will change so first question is being that you you can't see where your front wheels are so essentially you're you're guessing you're turning into a corner where your own car is yeah essentially you're going it's pure feeling because the way that you sit and you slide the car because the way the turn you turn in is with the throttle 
So you throttle in, get the car set. And then from there, it's all about footwork. Like that car is 95 to say 98% what your right foot does and can do. Okay. You know, it's, you, you drive the, you, you can almost take the steering wheel out of the car and drive it, drive it with just your freaking right foot. It's insane. So I think having that ability to have that feel is most important. And then that inside front wheel is really important when the track starts to slick up and you're trying to run the bottom because you need to understand how much of the cushion or how much of the, the berm to be on. Cause if you grab the berm too much, you, it's not pretty either. <laughs> Yeah. But if you miss it, so, you're really slow. <laughs> this sounds more complicated than I honestly imagined it. But you know, so so you do the chili bowl, and that's you know maybe it until the next chili bowl. So when it comes time for chili bowl practice, is there any prep working that you can do, whether it be like eye racing or something like that, just to kind of get some sort of feel for a a car or you know, like you said, right, right foot driving and preparation and all that stuff, or are you kind of just blind until you get on track? Um, I did a little bit of prep this year. I raced out in California. Um, and I did one other race in port city, just trying to get comfortable in the cars. And it's just, it's the racing is so different than the chili bowl because the chili bowl track is changing so much so fast. You know, it's, just really hard to get a grip and stay on top of things there versus you get a little bit more consistency when you race the normal events. Uh, but you know, it's, it's definitely a big help to get some seat time right before you get going into the chili bowl because four laps of practice is uh, just not enough. <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Sounds that way. So we'll wrap, we'll wrap it up there, man. Um, yeah. Everybody can see Santino out on track in May with dryer and Ryan bold. Look forward to talking to you during the, the month of May, man. But good luck and until then, and, and we look forward to seeing you out on track. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, man. Have a good one. Hey, too. Bye. Hit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Ride on!